Hey everybody, you're listening to So Many Sequels. I am Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. Okay, wow, check that out. I said I was gonna, I just tried to lead you. We all just said it. It, I don't know. I created a false sense of suspense thinking I was gonna do something and then I didn't deliver on something. (laughs) Much like this movie. We're in week three of our Halloween month, Mm -hmm. devoting the whole month of October to various entries in John Carpenter's Halloween (coughs) franchise. If you're just now joining us, we've already done Halloween, the original 1978 version. We did Halloween 3, which is might seem strange, but it's because it's the first one to kind of veer completely off track and be its own story with nothing to do with Michael Myers. And this week, we're returning back to Michael's story with Halloween H2O, which celebrated 20 years of Halloween. It came out in 1998 and is considered a direct sequel to Halloween 2. It completely... Uh, ignores everything that happened in Halloween 4, 5, and 6 because things got silly, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. Uh, we didn't watch them. I did. I read up on them a little bit. Things that we're missing out on <laughs> in 4, 5, and 6 include Michael's death being, or Michael's immortality being explained by, like, some kind of magic um, thing he acquires that is a curse, and that's where I think... I want to say four or five is called Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers. Okay. And that's where that comes in. So he becomes like this magical being, I guess. And that's kind of stupid. So Halloween H2O comes around. They go like, you know what? Let's pretend that never happened. Let's uh, go back to the beginning and we'll reset all of this and try again. So this picks up 20 years after the events of Halloween 2, which takes place the same night as Halloween 1. It's kind of like a continuation. So we're not really missing much there. So you watched Halloween too, right? I did out you of boredom. Do like I a did short, for fun. Like recap of that, so people kind of have an idea since we're not covering it. I can do that. It's very simple. It won't. E- it doesn't even require a lot of explanation. Halloween two picks off. Picks up right where Halloween one left off. It is still Halloween night. Michael has been shot and falls out of the second story window, and he's on the ground. And then they blink, and he's gone. So he's on the run again. Uh, Lori is being taken to the hospital because she's been stabbed. Uh, so she's at the hospital, but she's still really concerned because Michael's still out there. And the story continues of Michael trying to track down Lori at the hospital. Dr. Loomis is trying to catch him still. Madness ensues, and the movie ends with Michael, air quote, dying in a fire. He's burned to death. We also learn in this movie that Michael is Lori's uh, brother. It's revealed that when Lori was a baby, she was uh, the baby sister of Michael and the older sister. So when Michael killed the older sister, Lori was given up for adoption, and she was given uh, the Strode family took her in, and so a, a little bit of a motiva- motivation has been revealed that Michael is trying to. I guess finish off his family, maybe we don't really know. I that's the implication. I can't. I, I was wondering why during this movie they kept referring to like what, why she kept referring to Michael as as her brother, as her brother. That's and why. And I'm like, I'm like, did I miss something here? Because yes, I didn't see that in this movie. No, that isn't Halloween too, and it's really not even a big deal. They just kind of talk about it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like a, if I remember right, it's a conversation Doctor Loomis has in the car with someone else. And that's it. So he died, air quote, in a fire. And we are now 20 years later 
for Halloween H2O, Lori has moved from Illinois. She's now a uh, private school teacher in California. She has a new name. I don't remember her new name. Something Tate. Do you remember her new name? I think it was Tate. Uh, uh, I don't remember her first name. But she's uh, got a son, played by Josh Hartnett in his first movie role. Yay. All right. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I like... I like Josh Hartnett. And she's been paranoid for years that Michael would come back, and Josh Hartnett is finally uh, fed up with her, and he says, it's been 20 years, your brother's not going to come back. But he could not be more wrong. Carrie Tate. Carrie Tate. So what'd y'all think of Halloween H2O, now that we've got a little recap of where we are in this story? Eh. Yeah. 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 It was kind of meh. It could have been worse, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't watch four, five, and six, but my understanding is they're not good. So I, I feel like it might be better than those. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that with confidence. So I, it sounds like it could be worse. I, we I, lucked out. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's, there's one thing I'll say is that the first 10 minutes of this movie got me like it. Like, yeah. Like with. It's entertaining. We, yeah, we, yeah, it is entertaining. It's, it sets it, a little scary. It sets it up pretty well. It's very, it gets very unpredictable there for a little bit, and I liked how it set it up. But after that, it just kind of just tapered off. Yeah, the movie opens back in Illinois, in in Michael's hometown, and uh, we're following the nurse that people may remember from the first Halloween movie, who was assisting Doctor Loomis. Mm-hmm. And Michael appears at the home and goes on a murder spree, and he kills a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That was with upsetting. A, with an ice skate to the face. That's like, that. that's what got me. That, that ice skate to the yeah. face. So we had that little ten minutes of, of horror craziness, and then we slowly ease back into reality by going to California and catching up with Lori. Yeah. Which is where it started to lose me. Yeah, this movie went through a weird... It's a very quick movie. It's only maybe an hour and a half tops. Yeah, yeah. And the the it opens up really interesting. There's a lot of high intense, high drama running around. You know, they created some suspense. You know, somebody looks like they broke into the house. You don't know if anybody's there. Joseph Gordon Levitt calls the police and then for some reason goes into the house trying to be intimidating with a hockey stick. I think I wrote down. He said. Uh, you don't want to mess with Jimmy. He's been suspended for five times already for going too crazy with the stick, which is just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Just real stupid. There was some serious stupidity in this movie. I, there, I won't lie about that. There was not a lot of thought put into the writing process. No. But then, you know, he leaves. The woman goes back into the house. She hears more noises, runs across the street, back to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's home. That's where she finds him with the skate in his face, the other guy with the knife in his back. Police show up. She's trying to get their attention. Myers slices her throat. And then it's like, oh my goodness. And then nothing else happens for the next hour. hour. Yeah. And then finally, it gets exciting again. Yeah. I I have a different name for this movie. Oh yeah? Yeah. Halloween. How many times can you jump scare Jamie Lee Curtis? <laughs> Man, she kept yeah, running. Gary was on everybody. about that a lot. I, well, and I, a lot of people. It wasn't even just Jamie Lee Curtis. Like a lot of characters faced a false jump scares. I don't know if that was a thing at the time. It was that. Well, that's because 
at this point in time, I feel like in horror movies, because Scream had come out and kind of like uh, got people's attention in horror movies again. Because I think that, you know, I, I don't want to speak for sure because I was eight, uh, but I, I'm going to assume that in the 90s, horror movies were not great. They were cliche to a T. Most of them were like eight movies into a franchise at some point, and they're not any good anymore. There weren't like new, interesting horror movies. So the, the easiest way to scare people were with the jump scares. And so I've been, I've got really angry. Let me just uh, give a little rundown of some highlights of horror movies in 1998. Okay. Since we're on that topic. Bride of Chucky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Children of the Corn 5. Oh my god. That was a direct video I shouldn't mention it because of that, but I did. Uh, well, Deal with it. It's there. <laughs> um, Halloween H2O. I still know what you did last summer. Jeez. Which w- was at the second? Yeah. Also, that needs to go on the list. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I remember liking the I know what you did last summer. I don't really remember the the sequels. What do you like? Um uh Psycho they remade Psycho. They Was remade that the Psycho? one with Vince Vaughn? Yes. Yeah. I never saw that one. Um, those are some. Those are the highlights. There's some others, but none of them. None of the others are sticking out. So that's what we're dealing with. Oh, the faculty. You know what? What's I like there? the faculty. Yeah, the faculty is really good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I want to watch that. I mean, yeah, it's a Robert Rodriguez flick, but you know what? It's enjoyable. All right. I mean, it looks like it's got an interesting cast. Mm-hmm. Elijah Wood, Josh Gosh, Hartnett Martin. again. Man, how did he not become like a horror icon? I don't know. Question, I guess. But like, this is this is kind of what made him famous. John Stewart's in it. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to sidestep it so we could get an idea of what we're look what 1998 looks at or looks like. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of teenage focused horror movies between the faculty and I know what you did last summer. The thing that I got most angry about was the jump scares. Because they were just so bad. So in the first one, I talked about how they had created this tension of Michael Myers looming over Laurie, and you ne- and he would show up and then disappear, and then he'd show up and disappear, and he'd do something creepy, and he'd do something weird. And then anything could happen. You know, they had those jump scares, but it made you think it could be him. Zero times in this movie... Did I ever think that it was Michael Myers because you didn't see him for like an hour? Yeah. You didn't know where he was or you knew that he wasn't there. And any so I have some written down. There was one where LL Cool J was in the little gate talking on the phone and then all of a sudden Josh Hartnett just comes blasting in the door at 900 miles an hour like no one would ever do and they went and it was awful. There was a scene where Jamie Lee Curtis is at the cafe and yes. these kids hit the window for no reason. Like, it was just stupid scares. There was no tension. It was just thoughtless, mindless, let's try to scare people. And then, near the end, there was one that got me. Um, I'll have to, I'll, I'll go through my notes and see if I can find it. But there was, like, one that was like, okay, that created some suspense that made me feel scared a little bit and then the last 30 minutes of the movie when you saw michael when the action was happening is whenever it got good again well one thing one thing i'll say about one thing i'll say about this in particular 
when Michael Myers was hanging outside the security guard's office, I thought he was just being annoying because he was yeah. just he was just out there and you see him for a second and then like LL Cool J goes and look and he's not out there. And when they go to the other window, he's just staring again. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, that seemed to go against the character of Michael Myers. Because yeah. he didn't really jack with people like no, that. No, no, no. And that, that just, that annoyed me. I'm just like, all right, this this is not this is not working out. The one good jump scare I found in my notes is when the tension was finally starting to build. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was, this is the moment that the movie went from, okay, you've lost me, I'm not interested, to okay, something's happening. And it was when... You knew Michael Myers was in the little gated community, and uh, Lori had found out that her son did not make it, or did not go to Yosemite with the rest of the the campus. Because teenagers always lie. Yes. And they're stupid. I also made a note that there was a weird attempt to do something, and I think it was to give him a little motivation, Michael Myers, of killing with the number 17. I don't know if anybody else picked this up. Yeah, I, but yeah. they made it a point to say that Michael Myers killed his oldest sister when she was 17. And then he went after Lori when she was 17. And now her son is 17. And so she puts this together and then like has this panic attack and goes to check on her son and then she realizes that he's not gone to Yosemite. She goes and gets the gun and opens the door and then, whoom, LL Cool J shows up and that one right there got me because it could have been Michael Myers. It was the first moment where it could have been him and that's all they needed to do was give me some kind of reason to believe that I could be scared and they didn't do it and they just made the loud blam noises in unexpected times and it was horrible and I got angry. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about the story. uh, Like how it was written that I would love to see answered. It felt almost like they... Maybe they felt like they had to put the fake-out jump scares in there because they needed to make it a horror movie, but they knew that Michael wasn't going to meet Lori for an hour in. Mm -hmm. And without... Those like take those take out the fake jump scares, and it's just a movie. Yeah, it's not a horror no, movie yeah, anymore. You have a, you have a horror open and a horror end, and the the whole begin or the whole middle would just be exposition. The life almost. of Laurie yeah. Strode in California. So just... I I wonder if they felt like they had to or something, mm-hmm. which is not a good excuse. They should have figured out a way to to make it mold better, but. I wonder if that's part of it, because uh, I thought there was an awful lot of wasted opportunity in this movie to really explore the mythology a little more and make the characters a little deeper. We don't real nothing really happens no. in that hour in between the opener and the and the climax. We just see what Laurie's doing. We see what her son is doing, and it's not very interesting. Mm-hmm. You see, like, a tension, like, a frustration between Laurie and her son. Yeah. You see that Laurie is, like, hallucinating and still sees visions of Michael Myers and is taking all these. And that helped build the tension for the last 30 minutes of the... Not really, even because they didn't play it up enough to where... They had an opportunity for her to continually see him throughout the movie 
where it was actually him. Because he throughout this series, he's proven that he can just show up and then vanish. And so to interweave the actual hallucinations with the real Michael Myers and she thinks it's hallucinations to build up to the point to where she realizes that it's not a hallucination, they didn't do it. And that could have been a great way to build the tension and they just didn't yeah. do it. Just I, didn't I do it. I also felt like they could have done a little better job of writing the line of, you know, in Halloween 1 we talked a lot about how Michael is this mysterious evil who doesn't have a lot of... Uh, exposition we don't really know what drives him we don't really know how he does what he does mm. that said i think that they needed to find some way to uh in a satisfactory way explain to the audience how he is still alive and how he got to california mm-hmm. from illinois undetected that's i don't want i don't need a lot i just want enough to believe it because, or Lori is concerned that he's alive, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a she has an argument with her son that ends with him saying, "No, he's dead. He's been dead for twenty years." Yeah. Yada yada yada. Lori is the only one who still believes he might be alive, and I'm sure that's because of her experience with her thinking she killed him at least two or three times in the first one. Mm-hmm. So you, that would lead you to think that the police. In their Illinois town, the hospitals, yada, 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 have also got reason to believe that he died. Because if there was any sort of doubt that he was still alive, they would be like, Michael's on the run, and he's been on the run for 20 years, but no one's doing that. So how did he fake his death or escape it? I feel like it's a plot hole mm-hmm. instead of a mystery. That's my, my, my issue with that. I'd say that's fair. She just mentioned that she'd never seen his body. Yeah, and that that wasn't good enough for me. No. Because the coroner, the police, yada yada, would have seen the body. And if they also didn't see the body, he would not be considered dead by by the wide uh, population. Unless he's no reason. A, unless he pulled a switcheroo. Unless he pulled a switcheroo, which he does depending on what timeline you follow. <laughs> uh, one thing that I haven't really brought up and it is something that could have been discussed in the first movie. So, Michael Myers was taken off to the mental institution when he was, what, six years old? Something that like right? that. Been he locked up really ever young. since then. Uh, Fifteen years is whenever he, how long he was in there uh-huh. before he escaped. Would have made him, what, 21? Is that how math works? Yeah, I think we decided he was 21. Okay. How does find. he know how to drive a car? Yeah, I mean... You could fig- I feel like you could probably figure that out. Sure, but like he drive he drives it well. My he, like he drives it undetected. He's in theory like I don't feel like they have driver's ed in where he was. I don't feel like they'd put him behind a car. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, don't want to put. I don't want to assume. But like, you know, in that first movie, he drives that car like he'd been driving it all. You know, those five years of life from 16 to 21. And he drives several cars. He does. He's stealing cars left and right. Yeah. stealing and cars. And leaving them like with busted tires, which seemed weird to me. Yeah, and then he drove all the way from, I know he, at this point in time, he's like 40, so he's probably had time to like get used to it, but he drove all the way from Illinois to California. This guy knows how to read a map. They didn't have GPS You know what? Then. Yeah, I mean, if he was a, uh, if he's been on the run for 20 years. 
Sure. Th- yeah, by you then could learn that's how to fine. drive. By then that's fine. But like, I don't know. I just the whole him being able to drive so well thing is weird. My, uh, You're not supposed to think about that stuff. That, that's what we're here that for. That doesn't weird me out so much. What does weird me out is the thought of him driving, uh, road tripping with his mask on. You think he did that? <laughs> yeah, or do you think he like disguised himself as a normal human? Let's, no, let's just go ahead he and just only, say that he wore the mask. He only, always, only ever wears the black gray jumpsuit and his uh, Shatner mask. So... <laughs> Did he road trip with it? I need to know. I feel like that's another side story I want to see. It's yeah, cruising, Michael Myers road trip, cruising through South Dakota, Wyoming. Colorado. Does he listen <laughs> like to the Utah. radio? Is yeah, he an NPR yeah, he junkie? He listens to what Mr. Sandman. Mr. Yeah. Sandman on repeat. Yeah. Does, does he like the oldies or the new ones? Yeah. <laughs> Michael surely Myers is an oldies guy for sure. I think. Surely you must have listened to the eighties somewhere. He's got. He's probably doing the hair metal stuff. You think? Yeah. Take a look at his hair in this movie. It's all. Like, it's a little crazier. It's all up. He must have updated his mask too. Looked a little different. I just have so it, many questions about those twenty years. What did he do? Did he? Did he make new masks? Did he like? Does he have a closet full of gray jumpsuits? Does he have a nice house? Yeah. Did he get like a side job? You know, like yeah, those. What has did, did he, he been invest doing? in real estate? Like did some he? of those, uh, some of the like those real life serial killers who don't get caught and they just try to like go back into the into the real world. Yeah. Did he just like work and get a job for a while and play it cool? And then on the twentieth anniversary, he was like, I must kill. Well, it, it, you know, we talked about how in the first movie he killed that mechanic and stole that jumpsuit, and that's how he got that. Uh, so maybe in his time off, he, uh, you know, became a mechanic himself, and those are his overalls. Like he was just hanging out, being a mechanic. He could have just become a mechanic. Somehow he he like got his sixth sense feeling going, and he figured out that Josh Hartnett was seventeen. And it was like, this is the 20 years. And yeah, and then it just, the yeah, urge kicked in. Maybe it took him that long to find her. That did. With her whole uh, new identity and being across the country. Maybe yeah. he's like a supernatural villain because apparently you can't kill this guy with anything. Yeah, like other I than, mentioned other, earlier. Other than a friggin' knife. He does become supernatural <laughs> in the alternate timeline. In this timeline, they've reset it and that's not the case, but mm. I don't know. I gotta know. Did he shop? Where did he shop? He had to get groceries. Sure. What did he eat for 20 years? He yeah. didn't just become a mountain man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's he's big with the stabby stabby. I could see him, like, filleting a deer. I know you only fillet fish, but, like, cut him up, slice it off, just eat it straight. This is what I'm talking about. There's just so much missed opportunity to, in a serious fashion, explain some of these things. Sure. I just don't think that's what... I don't know that that's what audiences really cared about. No, it's the time. Michael Myers versus Wild. Right? (laughs) Tell me you don't want to know what he was doing for 20 years. Sure. And he certainly didn't learn anything based on his... How he... uh, How once he finally got to Lori, he just was like, ah, stab, stab. Like, he didn't... He could have trained in, like, uh, martial martial arts... (laughs) You know who else didn't learn anything in this movie? Lori. Lori. Once again, she yes. did not finish the damn job. She did at the end. 
But like, man, that was cool. We're gonna have to talk about that. Next. Yeah. So there's this, she's they're in the building. Michael Myers is chasing her. He tricks her, or she tricks him, with the bloody closet, and you see him like break into the closet again, and that was a little nice homage. And then she hits him in the head with a fire extinguisher and, and drops runs. it and runs. I, I this woman, it. I swear to God, I stopped it and said, "Girl, you need to go pick up that fire extinguisher and pancake his head." <laughs> Why would you? Yeah, smash it into dust. It, when it's a, when it's a serial killer who's chased you for twenty years, it's okay. Yeah, this is your. Mo- there was a scene. <laughs> no that, one will blame you. There was a scene that foreshadowed everything. Uh, whenever they were in the class talking about Frankenstein's monster, and they talked about like why did they finally face the monster and and go back, and Molly, who was Michelle Williams, was like. It got to a point where they just felt like there wasn't anything else to lose and had to face her monster. This was her monster. And she eventually went back and faced it. But, like, that was your moment. How are you not at that point yet to where you realize you got to make him die? Yeah. He has to have no brain anymore. Like, it needs to be all over the floor. And then she eventually goes back and decapitates the hell out of him. Yeah, I loved when she when she stole the coroner's van because at that point she knew. No, I've seen this before. I've seen them cart him off before, and it doesn't work. So I'm gonna cart him off, and I'm gonna finish it. Yeah. What I would like to know is what her intention was, because her plan didn't it didn't go according to whatever her plan was. No. But I want to know what her plan was. Like she rolled that van, she'd have died. A hundred percent would have died. I I also don't know how she escaped. While the van was flipping, yeah, uh, I don't think they ever mentioned that or showed that. But like, she's just she like, 100% I died. think she just went out the door and like no, touched and rolled. Was, she was rolling. She when the van went over the cliff, yeah. she was in the van. Yeah, but yeah, then she yeah. jumped out of the van as it was rolling. And she like tucked and rolled. Yeah, but that would require her to like open the door or find an open window and feel confident enough to jump out of the van while it's rolling and not yeah. die. That was a very dramatic like way to go. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but no. The decapitation was... The decapitation did take me by surprise. Because, yeah. Because, you know, there was like that final bonding moment, and then... Yeah, boom! That, that that annoyed me. I did not want that at all. Yeah, there, the moment where she was like, Michael? Like, I was Michael. hoping... I was hoping she was going to psych him out and, like, pretend and then do it, but I think that was a genuine moment of connection that they tried to have, and not so much of a... Psych! Yeah. Which is what I wanted. And then she... But she seemed genuinely upset, and then, like, they kind of, like, finger-touched. Yeah, that was awkward. Well, I just knew, like, girl, if you grab his hand, he gonna grab you and pull you in and eat you or something. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter that he's pinned between a van and a tree. He's gonna do something to you. Yeah, he's gonna get a knife. And then she cut off his head with an axe. Yeah. Which happened a little too easily, I think. Yeah, I don't feel... And it was a very clean cut. Super clean and no blood. Yeah, I feel like this movie For, got back to the original because there was also no sex in this. There, one. there was, was nothing gratuitous in yeah, this movie. There was that you got your gratuitous shot in the first one uh, with Linda, but like there was nothing in that. For this, there was very, there was gore, but not not much, not much, not nearly as much gore as Halloween Three had. Yeah, no, that was bloody. So they got they got back to the, the I guess the sense of the original in that, and I really liked that. Because you don't have to have all that to be scary, and so that's good. 
Um, yeah. Once, of course, you have to have something to be scary. One this didn't have of the either. most painful things that I've seen in any of these movies <laughs> was when that dumb waiter fell on that one girl's leg. Yeah. Oh, that was so painful. She found this Jamie Kennedy looking wannabe guy in Who the dumbwaiter. Who was in Scream? Ja- yeah, he was. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. Uh, in the dumbwaiter, he was dead. She, Michael Myers trying to kill her, stabs her, gets up to the top, and then he easily hacks through this rope in like one swipe of a butcher knife. But that her leg is still in there and it just slams it. And it like, oh, it like cuts her leg off. Oh, it's bad. It's yeah. Painful, painful, painful. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was wild. All right. Any final thoughts about Halloween H2O before we start talking about box office and stuff like that? Uh, the only thing I have to say is that one thing I did, one thing I caught on to is that it kept referencing other horror movies. Yeah. Go ahead re- go through that a little bit. It re- it referenced, I felt like it referenced The Shining because whenever he busted through the door, like I felt like that was a reference to The Shining. It referenced... Uh, Friday the 13th in the very beginning because Joseph Gordon-Levitt was wearing a hockey mask. Yeah. And I, I saw that and I'm like, I'm like, that's Friday the 13th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It mentioned, uh, what else did it mention? I talked about Scream a lot. Scream 2 Scream, was literally on TV yeah, Scream in 2, the girl's room. Yeah. yeah. Scream 2 was literally on, that, literally on TV. And there's one more. Oh, oh when, uh, when Jamie Lee Curtis and Josh Hartnett are talking with that uh that security guard and they're driving back to the school and he just looks at the car and he just goes psycho i'm like <laughs> is he referencing psycho maybe mm, very Probably. possibly because that's also a slasher movie so. i i had a moment of screamage with um Lori's boyfriend i was convinced <laughs> that he was in on it i was convinced that because she had a different name had all this stuff he didn't know, presumably, any of her past. I was convinced that he was some obsessive, crazy person who was way into Michael Myers, way into Laurie Strode, and somehow found out what was going on and trying to help Michael in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and that he was like a plant or something. Because of the screen references and because of all of that. And he just seemed, I don't know, I didn't trust him. And even whenever he got stabbed and, like, raised up, I was like, that's what they did in Scream too. Like, yeah. they stabbed each other and they made it look like, nah. Mm-mm. And I was wrong. But I, I think that would have been an interesting twist. Predictable, at least for me. But I was wrong, so whatever, it doesn't really matter. But I was hardcore convinced. My final thought was I didn't understand why LL Cool J was in this movie. <laughs> his his subplot of always being on the phone with his wife or girlfriend and talking about his ideas for uh, romantic novels was dumb to me and not funny enough to be justified. And then he gets his final one at the end where he's like, I could write a thriller. A romantic thriller. Well, kind of piggybacking off of uh, LL Cool J, I'm surprised he didn't do a song for this movie. <laughs> he did yeah, one for Deep Blue Sea. That would have been funny. All right. Halloween H2O came out August 7th, 1998. That's two days after my birthday. It uh, debuted at number three at the box office that week with $16 million, $16,187,000. Uh, it comes behind Saving Private Ryan, which yeah, yeah. was a repeat at number one that week. Awesome. And Snake Eyes, 
which debuted at number two. Is that the which is a movie Cage. starring Nick Nicolas Cage? Cage? Yeah. Well, Brian De Palma. It's uh. It also has Gary Sinise. Well, other movies in the top ten that week include There's Something About Mary, right. a classic. The Parent Trap, also a classic. Uh, which is interesting because The Parent Trap is like one of the first big Lindsay Lohan vehicles when she was young. And then uh, she goes on to star with Jamie Lee Curtis in Freaky Friday. So it's like a weird, weird box office connection there with those two. And also the director was Nancy Myers. Who that? Oh, Michael. Michael. Myers. Oh, that was bad. My my connection was a little better, I think. <laughs> Uh, Ever After, A Cinderella Story, The Negotiator, The Mask of Zorro, which is a movie I've never liked, to be honest with you. You didn't like The Mask of Zorro? The Antonio Banderas one? I never liked it for some reason. I don't know. I I I need to watch it as an adult. Armageddon and Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Dr. Doolittle, for good measure, it came in at number 11, but I wanted to mention it. Woof. It went on to make, I believe, $55 million. Correct. $55 million in the United States. When it comes to the Halloween franchise, how y'all think this one did? Before I click it, just for just, um, for just for fun, I think it is the third. Okay, you got a guess? Well, are you gonna include the Rob Zombie ones? Because then I need I'm to everything in. Uh, let me see. Because uh, if it includes, they are included, yes, then the fifth. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna go with four. Fifth and fourth. I'll do unadjusted for inflation first. Raw numbers. Raw numbers. Halloween H2O is the second highest grossing Halloween. Whoa! Oh wow! Behind Halloween 2007. Fifty-five million dollars adjusted for ticket price inflation. It is still number two, behind Halloween 1978, which made 186 million dollars in 2018 money. Halloween H2O made 108 million dollars in 2018 money. How about that? There you go. There you go. Surprises me a little bit. Yeah. I would imagine that with the, the 78 one, with the success of that, people would be like wanting to go see this Halloween 2 when it came out. Yeah, I mean, Halloween 2 did do well. Uh, it made, uh, well, uh, unadjusted $25 million, but it was the third highest grossing when you adjusted. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Um, Interestingly enough, whether it's adjusted or unadjusted, the lowest uh, the lowest is Halloween 5. Barely made anything. Wow. Barely made anything. <laughs> so that's that. Let's move on to the, to the uh, reviews and scores. Where, what, uh, let's see. What should we do for this one? What was something r- ridiculous in this movie besides <laughs> everything? <laughs> How many LL Cool J romantic novels would we rate this Yeah. Movie? Yeah, okay. Uh, I go two out of five. Same. Yeah, I'd say two. It's pretty, pretty disappointing. It, yeah, it's, it's, it was disappointing. It's pretty meh. It could be better. could be better. Okay. It could have been better. Now, Rotten Tomatoes is going to be fun because I feel like this could... I don't really know where it would fall. What but is... I think it's going to be... What is the like lowest it can be... For it to still be fresh. Is it 60? I think it's like... No, I think it's 60. I think 59 is when it's rotten. Okay. I'm going to say it's at 57. Okay. I'm going to go with 45. I'm going to go... I'm going to split it all and go 50 even. It is. Just hiccuped. 52. Whoa! With the audience score of 49. 
Ah, okay. I like I like it when audience and critics uh, get it close. Yeah. Because I feel like I trust that a little more than when they're wildly different. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I f- that's fair to me. 52 is uh, on the higher side of rotten, so I understand that. Uh, yeah. I wonder how they would rate it now. Yeah, I do too. Not well, I'll tell you that right now, because no. th- these kind of horror movies are not acceptable anymore, I no, think, for mainstream not. audiences. No, I People expect more. This would be like a direct The real interesting thing is what it, what a Halloween 2018 is going to look like. Yeah. I feel like this would be... This movie in particular would be like a direct-to-video market. Today, yeah, it yeah, feels like it, it would it be. just... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that wraps up our discussion of Halloween H2O. We are leaving the... Uh, I don't know what timeline. I'm going to call this the Carpenter timeline because I don't know what else to say. We're leaving the Carpenter timeline for a bit. Next week we will be doing the Halloween remake by Rob Zombie, which came out in 2007. A complete remake of the first Halloween. Everything is new. It'll be interesting. I remember seeing it in theaters, but I would have been like 17, so I don't really remember it too well. And then we will return to the Carpenterverse the following week with Halloween 2018, which comes out October 19th. I Man, think. we're almost to Halloween. It's crazy. I know. I'm excited. I love it. I love this whole month. In the meantime, you can listen to us on many different podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Uh, search if, if you have others, search them, I guess. Um, we're available on those, all those. Find us online at facebook.com slash pod, where we'll be posting... Photos and videos and fun things, and we want to see your comments and find out what you thought about Halloween H2O, if you saw it or remember it. Uh, Yeah, we'd love to hear what you think. In the meantime... This movie sucked. (laughs) (laughs) So Many Sequels is hosted and produced by Josh Gammon, Garrett Powders, and Andrew Nichols. Editing was done by me, Josh. Our theme song is by Justin Mayer. Please check us out online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. So many sequels is a production of the OK Connection, celebrating the people, music, places, and events of Oklahoma.